Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, it's that magical time of the year where we all come together and celebrate one of the greatest traditions in our nation's history. I'm talking about Army Navy Week. And when I talk Army Navy Week, I would be remiss in doing a massive injustice to the Sixer community and the Sixer squad if I wasn't talking to Rob Bachman. Rob, thank you so much for being here today, brother. This is such a pleasure and a treat. Yeah, Tony, uh, pleasure's all mine, man. You know, it took us like, what, four, five, six months to lock this in finally? It's been trench warfare for everybody on the business side, and I'm sure for you, but dude, we got Army-Navy in like eight days, so let's go. It's going to be great. And speaking of like that trench warfare and business, you were in it, right? As a CMO of Feltman's Coney Island, the original hot dog, right? A lot of people say Nathan's, but Nathan's was actually a disgruntled employee of Feltman's, correct? Yeah, yeah. So back, like, let's just back, like Army Navy aside, right? Let's do some hot dog history here. So <laughs> let me preface this by saying I am the chief marketing officer for Feltman's, which is a national food brand, right? We're known for our hot dogs. Uh, almost two years ago, I didn't even eat hot dogs. And um, basically, the team sent hot dogs my way because we were, you know, going through interviews and stuff. And I was like, I, you know, I, as a marketer, as a, as a brand advertiser, right? I need to believe in the product and, and like it. I hated hot dogs growing up. I'm German myself. Growing up at West Point too, West Point Elementary School, ate hot dogs there. Fucking hated it. Uh, hated them, whatever trash they were. So, you know, I'm, I was 29 at the time. I tried the Feldman's hot dogs, and uh, dude, it like like a light went off. I was like, these are fucking good, man. Like these are legit hot dogs, like real beef, like actual, like none of the, none of the nasty stuff that you get at a ballpark. Right. So I tried the hot dogs. I look at the story and it, it turns out that Charles Feldman, a German immigrant came over to, you know, the U S New York city in, in the 19th century. And he started Feldman's. He was a baker, had a pie cart, all that stuff. And he started Feldman's in 1867, basically put a sausage in a bun, blew the world up with that concept uh, grew that into one of the biggest hospitality companies the world has ever seen. It was the biggest hospitality brand company, whatever you want to call it, entertainment company in, I want to say the East Coast, on the East Coast. We're talking like Beer Garden in, in, in Long Island, Coney Island, all across New York, everything, you know, German vibe, hot dogs, beer, entertainment, music. And um, yeah, so he starts Feltman's and it's branded as Feltman's. And Nathan Handworker was, you know, uh, I don't know what he was, but I think he was somewhere in the kitchen back there. He was there. a bun slicer, the thing about if I remember Feltman, correctly. Yes, yes, he was. So he was in the kitchen and Feltman's itself, the products itself themselves were, were a little more, you know, catered and oriented towards the upper class. They were a little more pricey than, than, the, than other smaller companies around then. And then Nathan Handworker starts his own company, basically half the price of Feltman's. And then he takes off with that in Coney Island. And then, um, you know, the Feltman's brand kind of disappears in, in the 1950s. And then Nathan's is what it is today, you know, a, a massive corporation. 
So in order for a brand so historic to kind of come back to life, it requires somebody that's really, not only are they a great storyteller, they're a great communicator. And I can't think of a better person than you, Rob. But you don't go from the military right into hot dogs, right? So what throughout your time though, like you said, you grew up at West Point, you went to West Point. What are you constantly implementing on a daily basis from your time in and around the military? Yeah, so I would say reading and writing, right? So to be an effective communicator and storyteller, to be um, you know, an effective business person, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, you ha- it starts with the fundamentals, reading, writing. My first language is German, so I'm always reading and writing. And as you know, with the, with the various brands that I engage with, if you want to call it that, it's important as a storyteller and, a, and an advertiser to fundamentally know how to write and communicate with a little psychology in there, understanding sociology. But I think just reading different genres, being in tune with pop culture, understanding the dynamic of your audience and, and new ways to reach the consumer, the whole landscape of marketing and advertising just changes so fast. So just being up to date with the current trends and, and staying on top of that is something that you know I, I learned at West Point. How to do in the military, and uh, have been doing ever since in the, in the advertising world. As a leader in the military, and even as a cadet at West Point, right, your ability to communicate both through a written order or you know an email. Now that we're all you know everybody's digital, it really takes you to understand what are you trying to convey, and not try to sound super smart about. But you need to be able to get the message across so everyone has that shared understanding and purpose. So when we look at you know, reading and writing, is there a book or something that you're a course or somebody that you're always going to that you just not inspire to be like, but like really take a lot from what they've written or, you know, talked about? Yeah. So even before I got out of the military, I was fascinated with, with the world of advertising and marketing. I knew as a field artillery officer that, you know, if I wasn't going to go special forces, um, you know, one of those other different groups out there under the special forces command or under that umbrella, I was going to get out of the army. Before that, though, I was already fascinated by like Ogilvy, you know, the founder of modern day advertising and copywriting, and just like the fundamentals of branding and reaching consumers, right? Like, how can I get a product into someone's hand, let them try it, and then help them convert into a purchaser? Like, that to me is just like one of the most fascinating psychological things out there. And so I'm just obsessed with the process of storytelling and getting someone to buy something, even if it's a fucking, you know, pen, Wolf of Wall Street, whatever, you know, that iconic scene. Uh, I'm in the hot dog food industry. So, you know, I think if you can get people to purchase hot dogs and create a cool narrative around that and make that a thing, I think to some extent, the the possibilities are limitless um, when it comes to promotion and marketing. But David Ogilvy, for one, the founder of Modern Day Advertising, he has a book called Ogilvy on Advertising. And then my second probably go-to book would be Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, old Phil Knight, the, the founder, creator, uh, original executive of, of Nike. But there's two different landscapes there, right? There's advertising, then there's entrepreneurism, and then you know the founder side. Uh, Phil Knight obviously knew marketing very well, but they're two completely different kind of books. Uh, Ogilvy on advertising is almost like a Bible, like a, like a religious narrative that you, that you use, uh, like a ranger handbook for advertisers, right? Like that's what it is. Yes, it is. Have you read it? I have. Okay, awesome. I mean, I think it's it's almost like that's almost a book where even if you're not in advertising, you should just read it because everyone nowadays is is their own best marketer, right? So you can even apply those those thirteen principles to anything in life: being short, being concise, writing well, uh, understanding history. You know what I mean? It's almost Absolutely. like stuff that we learned at West Point tied all into one book about advertising for business or personal branding purposes, but 
yeah, those two books, and then uh, on on the marketing side too, you just gotta stay on top of current trends, right? So like, even if it's a stupid little meme, something that people can connect with, regardless of what you're selling or promoting, that'll let people you know buy into what you're offering and then help you grow your community. You touched on you know always being in tune with what's going on, both you know pop culturally, socially, and all that stuff. So you're constantly building and learning talents and abilities. What are you learning right now? Like, what skill are you a novice at that you're starting up? I mean, if it, if it's professional business wise, probably getting more in tune with financials, understanding trajectory of of a business's growth. Obviously, you know, one of the duties, descriptions, whatever you want to call it, of a of a chief marketing officer is is revenue growth and making sure that the company is is growing and that we have money coming in and we're reaching consumers. But for me, more so on the financial side of understanding the books, P&Ls, profit and loss statements. I think professionally, that's what I'm trying to get better at and working with our financial team and, and like accountants and, and all those guys on that part of the house in our business. But personally, I'm probably just trying to be in a better state of mind mentally, you know, mental space, headspace, all that stuff right now as we get older and, and as we see, you know, some fellow, you know, fellow veterans and, and classmates and friends kind of go through difficult things, just staying sharp. Um, staying positive, I think is, and, and that's, that's a daily process, right? Like gratitude, mental health, everything like that. Like you kind of condition that. And that's something I'm working on every day, drinking less, working out more, drinking more water, you know, personal relationships, um, all that stuff. So that probably on the personal side, just being in a better overall headspace. And I think, you know, life and, and everything in life will be better if your headspace is better. You're essentially saying with all the noise and stuff going on, you really started to hone in on what means the most to you. Right? Which relationships are the most impactful? Yeah, yeah. Which ones do you need to repair? I mean, we're constantly continuing to grow and build relationships. Yeah, especially in this landscape, Tony, with everything going on, digital bombardment, right? Trench warfare, all the noise going on on social. You got fucking Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You're, you're sending out emails. You're listening to audio. All these different things happening at once going in right? that you're trying to take in and consume. You got to take a step back and, and take a breath of fresh air because you will get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed all the time, every day. That's why I have the Calm app stuck right in the middle of all my important apps. So even if I don't open up my Calm app itself, it's stuck right in the middle. And the first thing that happens when you open up Calm is it says take a breath. So in the middle of like the craziness that is, you know, marketing this day and age, I have the Calm app. I, I don't even open it every day, but I have it right smack in the middle of my phone, and that you know allows me to kind of okay relax, you know, like take a step back, enjoy it. It's all part of the process, but mental health this day and age, man, there's just so much going on. There's so much stuff being posted. You know what I mean? There's so much drama and negative news. Like I, I, I'll put on Fox business or CNBC in the morning. I got to turn it off after five minutes. There's just too much going on or it's just too negative. Really applying that tactical pause. So like when you're out on missions, whether it's both CONUS or CONUS, you know, like taking that knee or time to reflect, even if it's temporary, you know, fleeting couple seconds, a minute yeah. to really understand where you are in time and space and what's going on around you and almost kind of pull yourself out of the situation to realize how you can move forward. That's super powerful that you've been able to do that. Yeah, man, it, it is. It is. Especially with, like I said, there's just so much stuff going on. You know, Army Navy's around the corner, right? And we just, we just wrapped up as a company. Um, we just wrapped up Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Before that, you know, we had Veterans Day. Before that, it was a it was a mean, vicious war gaming October on the strategy side. What we're going to do in twenty twenty two, 
you know, setting the conditions so that our brand is set up for success next year. September was the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. As we all know, the story about of, of, of Feltman's and the, and the rebirth of it as a company is due to Joe Quinn and his brother because their third brother died in 9-11 when Joe was a firstie. So as a brand, we have a really compelling story and we're very value-based. And so 9-11 was just a huge, huge event for us as, as well as many people who were impacted by it, lost loved ones. So it's been a hell of a six months. And then obviously the summer is peak sales season for us. So it's like, it never ends, right? Um, but that's the beauty of advertising, or maybe to some extent also its fault if you are in advertising is that it never stops. So you're constantly learning and improving and doing a, like yesterday we, I, I ran an AAR for our entire black Friday Love Cyber Monday campaign. And like our, my civilian, my civilian quote unquote agency partners, you know, everyone at the marketing firm that we have or that, you know, that, that works for us, like what's an AAR? And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, sorry. I, I meant after action reviews. So positive, you know, like end state assessment, like what worked, what didn't work. And they're like, Oh, that's so cool. You guys did it in the army. And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> we're literally conditioned. And like, but that's one of the things that I've brought from the army too, right? Is like these little nuances and little practices that allow us to be successful, even sometimes when we don't think we are. Once you're done with a campaign or you're running like a Fourth of July campaign, Veterans Day campaign, a big PR push, we always do ARs, even if you don't necessarily know you are. But like that's definitely something since West Point or whenever we first learned what an AR was at fucking Camp Buckner or something. You know what I mean? Like it's been one thing that we've implemented across the board. Uh, it's pretty cool. So do you think the belief that you really picked up over the last couple of years is focusing, I would say, on like being data-driven, but continuing to be value-based? Because if you lose those two things, you kind of lose yourself. A hundred percent. I think, uh, you know, on the, on the business side, you know, making a quick buck anywhere is, is easy to do, but you know, when you're a kind of a bootstrapped startup, like we are like Feldman's is, is a national food brand, but we're in the startup mode. It's important that every dollar and penny is accounted for. We know where our budget and, and our spends being allocated and for what and which marketing levers are we pulling? Like, okay, let's pull back on TikTok this month. Let's do Facebook ramp up on Google here. Every dollar matters to us, but it's important for us to be data-driven, but also value-based. So like, are we putting out the right message so that this consumer, when they purchase our awesome products, come back to us. Like that's important, right? So value-based in the sense that are we making sure that the customer has a terrific experience, enjoys the product, comes back. We're not bullshitting them obviously with our products and anything like that. So value-based also in the sense that, you know, freedom, family fun or something that Joe loves and, and harps on as, as values for the, for the company, right? Like freedom, America, veteran owned company, fun. We're a hot dog company. You got to have some freaking fun, man. You know, it's, it's a lively, joyous type of food product that brings, you know, happiness to people. If it's in a ballpark, you know, if it's in your backyard, if it's at an army Navy watch party, right. And then, um, family, right. So like we're, we're a huge family, um, oriented company. Everyone either has kids or is, you know, with a significant other and, and that kind of a thing. So Data-driven, yes, understand how we need to hit our goals and our KPIs and what levers we need to push marketing-wise and where we spend money. Values-based where, hey, let's show people that we are regular Americans, we're veteran-owned, and we like to have fun, and uh, we're good guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all West Pointers <laughs> and Army guys. Like, why wouldn't you want to buy hot dogs from us? <laughs> exactly. You know? I might be a little biased, but I think I'm not especially on this platform. <laughs> but in business though, right? Like you said, you're constantly iterating and trying new things and you don't, it's not a linear process. Like you don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. So there's going to be massive failures and massive success along the way. 
where in your life, whether it be at West Point, before West Point, during in the army, coming out of the army, transitioning out of the army, where has failure occurred that has really set you up for massive success? Uh, I think the first big one, and this sounds really dumb, right? But National Training Center, I was swooped in to be the uh, battalion FSO as a, first, as a brand new first lieutenant. And I messed up every three of those missions or operations. I mean, to my credit, you know, I'd never gone to Triple C. I didn't understand MDMP, but I was thrust in this position. And I basically failed every step of the way. I was failing upwards, but I didn't know it. So I was failing every mission, every breach, every combined arms rehearsal. I was just, dude, I was so bad for 14 days and I hated it. You don't have your phone. I can't talk to anybody. My battalion commander was just up my ass. My S3 was up my butt all the time. He was West Pointer too. But I failed every step of the way from even just artillery language because I was so rattled from having looked like a hot mess. But what I didn't know was that they were testing me and getting me ready for a combat deployment that we were going to go on in Eastern Africa. And I was so selfish where I didn't even see that. I was more worried about myself and not my guys or, you know what I mean? Like I was just caught up in and flustered because I was thrusted into a new position, which was kind of daunting, not going to lie. You know, uh, combined arms rehearsals, if you've never done one, can be kind of stressful when you're a first lieutenant and there's generals there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I kind of like wisened up from that two weeks. And then um, I failed the entire time. But my battalion commander is on the bus ride back to Fort Bliss. I'm a you know former first AD guy in an armored battalion, right? I was the FSO, battalion FSO. He tells me that, hey, you crushed it. Even though you didn't do too well, I know you learned everything and you're coming to Africa with us. And I was like, let's go. Like that is that was perfect. But I was failing for two weeks straight and um, they swept me out a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they they kind of put me through that through that sauna, if I mean, it was a fucking sauna. It was September at Fort Irwin. Which is just miserable any time of the year. Yeah, oh, dude, just the worst. And then, like, they're telling you about the tortoise, and then you're also, like, psychologically, you're like, oh, I hope our Bradley didn't just run over a tortoise. You know what I mean? About the, <laughs> Have you heard about that? I haven't been to NTC, but, yeah, it, it, every place yeah. has their own, oh, like, dude. animal that just kind of stops training. Yeah, you're, you're doing like your fires plan and everything, and then someone has to step in and say, hey guys, remember the tortoise is out there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I, failing for two weeks straight there at my job, at my role, then prepared me to be a kick-ass officer on that deployment to East Africa. And I think that was, I mean, to this day too, I almost have chills talking about it. And you know, when I drive by Fort Irwin to lot, because I live in Vegas, right? When I drive by Fort Irwin on the way to Los Angeles, I'm always just, you know, a minute or two, I'm like thinking about that experience and like, Learn, you know, all the all the different things I learned from it when it comes to briefing, preparation, you know, being calm under pressure, like stuff like that, right? So to me, it's definitely a defining moment. And that's a two weeks is a long time to not have a phone and, and kind of be under the ringer, but failing upwards is like is what I like to call it. And it definitely it definitely helped me out. I love that that you can continue to go back to that crucible moment and continue to gain and pull nuggets from that you apply now, right? Completely yeah. out of the military. Yeah. But you're constantly yeah. failing upwards, especially in a startup like Feldman's. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, the, and the beauty of a startup is that you, the, the, the sky's the limit, right? Like it really is. Like to the moon is no bullshit. Like you can, and, and that's what's so great about this country, right? Not to sound too cliche, but I worked on the economy in another country and it's not like that in Germany or Europe. Like you really can't take a startup to, to the moon like you can here. That being said, the challenge of a startup life is that, like I harped on earlier, like every dollar is accounted for, every penny. 
and you better fucking spend that right. Or if you test it out, don't do that again because we're, we're not we're not millionaires. We're not made of money. Even though it's a national brand, everything counts. And so what I've also taken from the military is kind of like that A-B test mindset. Like you practice, you drill, you rehearse, and then you don't do the fuck-ups again. Like just focus on what is good and then continue to do that. So with startup life, right? It, like you said, going back to like the NTC piece is like, you feel like you're just constantly getting kicked in the face, but you continue to show up for it because you know you're better than yesterday. Yeah. So Rob Lachman, how are you better than yesterday? Oh man, that better than yesterday piece is probably something I'm still working on. By that, I mean tomorrow when it comes to gratitude, mental health, being more determined and decisive at my job. I think that's a day-by-day conditioned piece uh, so I think, you know, compared to yesterday, I'm feeling a little better. It's been a long week. Tuesdays and Wednesdays for us are always pretty, pretty intense. Uh, just a lot going on, as you know, the holidays are coming up. But I like to think that gradual improvements in, in our marketing team, as our company, personally, professionally, just those little baby steps of, you know, getting better rest, getting a workout in, being nicer, having gratitude for where we are, what we're doing. I know it sounds very, very cliche, especially on the gratitude piece, but that helps me perform better at a higher level when I'm positive and I'm thinking clear, especially in this fucking crazy world of you know the digital media landscape. And as you know, everything going on on social and, and the news. So keeping your head on straight, man, that's, I think my head's on straight a little better than it was yesterday. There you go. And taking those tactical pauses like you, you continue to mention. Dude, tactical pause. Take a knee, baby. Drink some water. And of course, regardless of whenever people listen to this episode, we're always one day closer to beating Navy. Oh, one day. Let's go. Yeah, next Saturday. Exactly. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before you go, though, I, I want you to let the people know where can they find you because I know you're always, you never know where you're going to find you. You're all over the world. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all over, man. You know, born and raised in Germany, went to West Point, and uh, you can catch Feltman's and, um, and Whole Foods anywhere, and, and you can order from us online at www.feltman's.us. And then if you're a Florida Panthers fan, that is the official hot dog of one of the, the strongest teams right now in the NHL. Oh, dude. Official hot dog of the Florida Panthers. Love those guys. They, they won yesterday. And we're also the official hot dog of West Point, too. So if anyone listening goes to a lacrosse game or Army basketball game coming up or Army hockey, you can pick up a dog at Holiday Center. And it kind of brings everything back full circle, right, Tony? It's like we all hated our time there as a cadet. You know, it was a, it was a grind. And now we have our hot dogs uh, at West Point. It's kind of cool. Right. And when you have a hot dog in your hand, you're always having a good time, right? Because it's about that sense of community. Yeah. How can you be sad and bite a hot dog, right? You just can't. Exactly. Plus the Florida, Florida Panthers owned by a West Point grad. Can't go wrong. Yeah, can't, dude. Can't, they're crushing it. Best, best team in NHL right now. Absolutely. Rob, thank you so much for your time, sharing your story, being vulnerable with us. And of course, thanks for having our six. Hey, Tony, take care, my man. It was a pleasure. Anytime you want to do this again, I'm always yours, man. Sixers, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, also let us know. We can only get better from hearing from you, all the Sixers out there. We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow and thrive. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. 
But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.